When you have a majority of conservative justices, it is significant when it comes to a case like this. There's just simply no no other way I can I can cut it. So the decision handed down by this court could and will change the trajectory of this country when it comes to the practice of abortion. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Friday edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. I'm Justin Hall. Over the course of this podcast, we have discussed issues facing South Carolina and the nation, such as foster care and adoption and that crisis in our state, the chaos on the southern border, and a thank you to Congressman Ralph Norman for joining us for that conversation. Obviously, as you are well aware, if you've listened to our podcast for any length of time, we have delved deep into the topic of critical race theory that became the focal point of the governor's race in Virginia and will continue to be a focal point heading into the midterms in 2022. And on our previous episode on Tuesday, we talked with Dr. Tony Beam of the South Carolina Baptist Convention on the issue of medical marijuana that is going to play a major role in the progress of the South Carolina Senate come January. But today we're going to be joined a little bit later by Mark Baumgartner, who is the head of A Moment of Hope. It's a ministry here in the Columbia area that does some sidewalk counseling just outside of the abortion clinic here in Columbia. But of course, we'll get to that interview in just a second. But but as we lead into that interview, Mitch, there's obviously a major case coming. We're about two weeks away from Thanksgiving. There's a major case that's going to be heard by the Supreme Court on December 1st, just on the heels of your Thanksgiving holiday. That's exactly right, Justin. In fact, we've got two major cases before the Supreme Court right now. Most of you know about the Texas heartbeat bill, which is really calling into question uh, the standing of that case, whether or not uh, the, the state of Texas can be sued on behalf of abortion clinics. The Supreme Court, uh, the jury's still out, to use a legal pun there, the jury's still out on exactly what that's going to look like moving forward. But the Dobbs case out of Mississippi is probably the most significant challenge to Roe v. Wade in modern history, or at least since Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs case coming out of Mississippi is huge. On December the 1st, right after Thanksgiving, we are going to hear and see what the test for viability is, which is ultimately the litmus test or the catalyst behind Roe v. Wade. Here's the question presented before the court in this case. The question is, whether all pre-viability prohibitions on elective abortions are unconstitutional. Correct. That's the question posed to the court. Now, timeline here is important because the Texas law, their heartbeat law that was passed, was a civ- more civil in its, in its penalties. There were no criminal charges Correct. that could be filed. It was civil. It was basically, I don't want to use the term hall monitors, but they made the entire state in essence, safety officers or hall monitors that everyone can be held accountable should this take place. What that's done is it's decreased the number of abortions in Texas. Now, many will say, well, they're going to other states, and that would probably be true. However, what's interesting to note is that is all civil, and the the current administration pushed to have that case heard mm-hmm. earlier. Now, I don't understand how that could have been heard because it's and it's only in its preliminary hearings, by the way, because there is no one who has been hurt by that. There has to be some sort of standing when it comes to when it comes to hearing. This is in any court case. This is any case ever. There has to be some level of standing. And right now, I don't believe the federal government has standing to step in and sue the state of Texas. Now, this abortion clinic has been harmed, for lack of a better term. They have standing to have this case hurt. So we have. 
two different cases going on here, one in Texas, one from Mississippi, that will, in fact, affect South Carolina. Because as we know, Governor McMaster signed the heartbeat bill into law Mm -hmm. back in February of 2021, which was enjoined by the court. Mm -hmm. But should Roe v. Wade get overturned, that means that states would then determine what their abortion or life laws would look like. And boom, you go into effect with a heartbeat bill that was passed. Exactly. So that's significant for South Carolina. Both of these cases are significant, both on a civil level in the Texas heartbeat bill, and then the Dobbs case to be heard on December the 1st. Most people assume that we'll have some ruling or an opinion from the court mid-first uh, quarter around February or March of Uh, 22. This is one of the more significant things is that a president can appoint justices and judges. The former president was able to appoint three in his time in office. Four years, he got three justices. You look, this is the makeup of the court right now. Samuel Alito, Chief Justice Roberts, Clarence Thomas, Stephen Breyer, Elena Kagan, Sonia Sotomayor. Then you have the three most recent, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Justice Amy Coney Barrett. The That is significant. There's no other way to put it. When you have a majority of conservative justices, it is significant when it comes to a case like this. There's just simply no no other way I can can cut it. So the decision handed down by this court that will probably come in the first part of 2022, I don't see them having a decision on this before the end of the year, could and will change the trajectory of this country when it comes to the practice of abortion. That's why you, listening right now, we say this on every podcast, you've got to get involved. Get involved with what the Palmetto family is doing. Step into the arena of what it means to be pro-life. We're not just pro-birth. We are pro-life from, as some of our friends say, from the womb to the tomb. We want you to make sure that you are standing up and stepping up for the voiceless and showing the love and light of Jesus Christ. Yes, to these young ladies, these women who are going to have an abortion, what it looks like to know and experience the love of Jesus. So we want you to get involved. There are so many. One of the things I I love doing at Palmetto Family is introducing you as our listener to some amazing guests. We've had uh, Melanie Shaw. We've had Dr. Tony Beam and Dr. Tony Foster. We've had Dr. Daniel Janosik. We've had uh, Congressman Ralph Norman. Our next guest, Justin, I'm convinced is one of the most significant pro-life figures in South Carolina. There's no question. What Mark is doing with A Moment of Hope and having established A Moment of Hope back in 2012, uh, you'll hear the story of how how that began. We welcomed him in a couple of days ago, and this conversation was enlightening. It was, and, and you mentioned it during the interview, Mitch, that you could feel the weight of the conversation in the room. So we hope that you enjoy our conversation with Mark Baumgartner with A Moment of Hope. Today in studio, we have a very distinguished guest. I I, I must say he leads one of the most uh, significant pro-life organizations, dare I say, ministries in the state of South Carolina. We share uh, office building with him and his staff at A Moment of Hope. Today, the founder and director of A Moment of Hope, Mark Baumgartner, joins us on Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Mitch. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So for... Uh, 
our listeners today who have no idea, I, I mean, it's hard to imagine that people in South Carolina wouldn't know what a moment of hope is, but for our listeners today who have no idea what or who a moment of hope is, share with our listeners what y'all do, who you are. Sure. Well, uh, we are an outreach at the local abortion clinic, which is Planned Parenthood. Uh, many listeners may not know there are three abortion clinics in the state, one in Greenville, one in Charleston, and one here in Columbia. And so we stand at the public right-of-way at the base of the driveway at this abortion facility and offer help and hope in the name of Christ. Uh, we don't do it in a way that um, some folks may perceive as a caricature of mm -hmm. pro-life people. We're not out there with bloody signs, yelling angry things. Mm -hmm. We're there to start a conversation with the mothers. We're there to offer help and resources because many of the mothers coming feel trapped. They feel pressured. They have nowhere else to turn. And so we want to give them that last ditch offer of help to save lives. And so far this year, we've seen uh, 61 lives saved. Wow. wow. That's incredible. This is, uh, I'm on the uh, A Moment of Hope website, which is amoh.org is where you can go to visit them. This is the this is the story that started it all. And I didn't actually know this until about two seconds ago when I pulled up the website. Um, in 2012, you were challenged by a friend to go to the abortion facility here in Columbia. <laughs> and on the back of a business card, that was all you had. You said, it's not too late to change your mind. There are caring people that want to help you. And a woman accepted it on her way in to schedule an abortion. She left, drove away, but then came back and said, can you really help me? Hmm. And a week later, less than a week later, she sent you a note or a text that said, I'm not going to end my pregnancy. I want to thank you for giving me a moment of hope wow. that I could reflect. And then six months later, she sends you a picture of the baby. Yes, in the middle of the night, I woke <laughs> up and looked at my phone and there's a picture of a little baby. Oh my and, goodness. Uh, it's just such a beautiful picture of what we do. We're there to offer that help. She and I, uh, the mother and the daughter, are still in contact. They came to the South Carolina Life Conference. Wow. Um, they are uh, just a beautiful mother daughter. And um, she's got to be about eight or nine years old now. She's eight years old. She was just named homecoming queen for her school. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> so that, that story, I, I just had to mention it because I read it and I'm, and I'm getting chills just yeah. reading it the hope that that you guys are there to facilitate but it's ultimately the hope through christ that you're that you guys are communicating so when you are out there ministering to people and offering this this hope what is that like when when you're training people and what response do you get from your volunteers about the the emotions around that and and the just the, in, I don't want to say intensity, but the intensity of the moment there for a lot of these young women. Right. We want to be, um, so they're coming expecting to see angry protesters. Mm -hmm. They're coming to expect uh, people yelling, uh, bloody signs, things like that. Mm -hmm. We want to be approachable. We want to be winsome. We want to be calm. We want to smile. So you'll see us out there. We have green vests to differentiate us from any other uh, maybe angry groups that may be out there occasionally. And so um, we train our, our volunteers. We have a training about every month for sidewalk counselors. Um, folks could come out and just watch or come out and pray to see how we do it. So yes, we do want to be different. We want to be winsome and approachable. That's our main 
our main goal, and then to let Christ shine through us as we have that conversation. Now, you just came off the street just a little while ago to come in the studio and do this interview with us. That's right. Wow. So tell me this, and and I've been out on the street with y'all and other groups before. Talk to the listener about what the feeling is when you're out there, because a lot of people, they, they don't quite understand what it looks like, how it feels. T- tell us a little bit more about the spiritual warfare that you see on a daily basis. This isn't just flesh and blood. This is principalities and power spiritual warfare. Right. In our newsletter that went out two days ago, I said that this is probably the most spiritual warfare we've seen in the nine years we've been doing ministry. Mm. And so um, we are seeing a big pushback from the pro-abortion uh, feminist groups. Um, Planned Parenthood actually has a staff member that recruits these folks from the university. And so they are doing vile things now. They used to uh, follow us, uh, drive and rove around the business park in their cars with signs that say, follow me to Planned Parenthood. But what they were actually doing was getting behind any car that we were talking to and laying on the horn until they till they moved and uh, just flustering these these moms into going into the clinic. And those videos are available on our website, amoh.org, as Justin said. Um, But there are two different distinct type of days out there. There's the abortion days, which they do twice a week. They do about 20 abortions every abortion day. And then there are the non-abortion days where people come to schedule an abortion or they come for birth control and things like that. So on on those non-abortion days, it's a lot more peaceful and calm. Mm -hmm. But on the abortion days, you could imagine uh, folks' emotions are a little more charged. So it's even more imperative for us as Christians to be that um, peaceful witness. Sure. Sure. So think, yeah, go ahead. With these, with these instances that happen, you mentioned, and I've got the webpage open in front of me. Um, What I find interesting, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit more, it's always been defined as pro-choice versus pro-life. Well, I don't know. To me, when you're behind somebody honking a horn, laying on the horn, to get them to move to go into the clinic, you're not really giving them a choice. You're you're pressuring them into making one decision over another. Um, so when it comes to, have you guys encountered these folks who are causing the disruptions, the disturbances? What have those conversations been like? Have they been even open to conversing with you, or is it usually just what we normally see when it comes to protests and things of that sort, where they just one side screams their side and moves on and doesn't open up the, the avenues of communication. Right. We've, we've pretty much learned to um, just, just be quiet and not engage them. Um, I think of the verse, you know, casting your pearls before swine, because, uh, you know, they're, they're speaking the language of their father, the devil, their, their lies are so obvious, pretty much any truth they spin it 180 degrees. They'll say, we are there to hurt women. We are there to sell babies. Um, so, I mean, if you just look at that, they've had two ambulances at Planned Parenthood this year for uh, patients bleeding out from abortions. There's women being hurt, not to mention the many that end up not being able to conceive after abortions. We have a volunteer that after having her abortion, she had two abortions, was unable to conceive and had 10 miscarriages. They don't tell you that. They don't tell you how abortion can hurt you like that. Um, So 
we've taken the approach to just be that, be peaceful and, and let the Lord work on their hearts through their observations of our lives. So from a political standpoint, we've heard this narrative, uh, the reframing of the narrative that this is all about women's health. And I think that's to distract the focus from really what you just said. Not only is this not about women's health, because women are being not just hurt, but harmed. I mean, permanently, in some cases, they're, they're, they die. But really, let's, let's just refocus, and, and I don't want to add to the gravity of the moment, but it's reality. Babies are being killed there. Two days a week. You said 20 a day. That's 40 a week. If I do the math, that's a lot. According to the Department of Health and Environmental Control here in South Carolina in 2020, there were 5,468 abortions in our state. Yeah. Uh, 2,400, just a tick over, were within the first six weeks. That's about 44.5%. And the sneaky thing that abortion clinics are doing now is they're trying to take you out of the equation at a moment of hope by doing what we know as telemedicine and taking these abortion appointments, specifically the pill, over almost two-thirds of abortions last year happened via telemedicine and RU486 and the abortion pill. And the significant thing about that is they're trying to they're trying to take Christian ministries out of the equation. They're they're using COVID as a guise for their plan. But if you're listening right now, Mark and his team and a moment of hope, they're on the front lines every single day. You literally just left the clinic and it's so significant. I mean, I can feel the tension even in the room right now as we're talking about this. I mean, we're not talking about some ethereal concept in a far-off place. As you said, there are three abortion clinics in the state. One is in your backyard. If you are listening right now, one is in your backyard. So I guess the question then is begged, are we going if you are we going to do anything about this? I mean, if you're listening right now, you could continue driving or, you know, as I've often said, folding the laundry and, and act like it's no big deal. Mark and his team are doing a great job. There's no doubt about it. Mark, tell the people listening what it is that they can do to get involved in what A Moment of Hope is doing. Sure, I'd be happy to. So not everyone is called to come out to the sidewalk, but many people are, and um, you don't really know till you're out there. Mm-hmm. Um the Lord has equipped certain people to be excellent sidewalk counselors. We have some excellent sidewalk counselors. Others are called to give, but another way they can um, be involved is through our pregnancy care teams. This is an innovative thing that we developed out of necessity. We had a family, uh, one day I was standing out there, it was an abortion day, and this minivan pulls up, and I just raised my finger like, wait a minute, would you stop to talk? And this car pulled up. And it was a couple from Uganda. And I began to say, are you here for an abortion today? And the the gentleman that was driving said, I am just a driver. I am bringing her. I know her from church. And I said, church? I said, did you know that Jesus is opposed to abortion? 
and the countenance of this man changed immediately. And this has only happened to me twice. I saw his countenance change at the name of Jesus. And I said, hey, let's go talk. So we went to Lizard's Thicket and had (laughs) breakfast. And through this conversation, found out that they were uh, refugees from, I think I said Uganda. It's actually um, another African country that's uh, slipping my mind at the moment. But um, anyway, they had eight children, two of which were from uh, another family member that died in the refugee camp. Their, their needs were overwhelming, and we were overwhelmed trying to help them. So we put out the word to churches, and we had 17 churches participate in over 75 Christians participate. And we just saw the beauty of the church getting involved. So we came up with these things called pregnancy care teams. Now, whenever a mother changes her mind at the abortion clinic, we offer her a care team at a local church that's in her area. The team is made up usually of ladies or couples um, that love on her, throw her a baby shower, give her rides to the doctor, and it gives a fertile ground for the gospel, um, Bible studies, they invite her to church. So that's really where the, the gospel is shared. Wow. And, yeah, it's beautiful. It's awesome. That's then that's what we talk about now, the big C church. That's Dave says that quite a bit in our office. The big C church, we have to step up. When an abortion doesn't happen, that's a wonderful thing. When a when a mother decides that no, this isn't what God has for me or my child. That's a wonderful thing, but we do have to know that in X number of months, there's going to be a new baby in the world, and they're going to be born into possibly a situation that was causing that mother to think about it. And so the, the, the church has to step up and, and be the church uh, to these people and to serve them in any way possible. When it comes to a moment of hope, specifically, how can people reach out to you guys to, if they say, no, Mark, I want to be on the sidewalk, how can they get in touch with you and get involved? We have a number of events, and there, there's an events page on our website, amoh.org. Um, for instance, we have a prayer walk once a quarter where folks from local churches come out, and I lead them around the block of the abortion clinic, and we pray for different aspects of, of the abortion problem. We pray for the abortion workers. We pray for the moms. We pray for the babies. We pray for other ministries like Palmetto Family. And so um, that gives them a way to kind of see where it is. Most people don't even know. Most people in Columbia don't know where it is. It's such a, a nondescript building kind of tucked behind some trees off of Force Drive. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way. We also invite people to um, things like our annual banquet. This year it's February 4th. We do a, uh, we'll have a tent at the pro-life uh, rally that Citizens for Life is putting on at the State House, mm-hmm. which I think is January 8th. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, there's a lot of ways to get involved. Just shoot me an email. We'd love to get together with you and have coffee. That's awesome. I'm so grateful for ministries like A Moment of Hope who are out there on the front lines. I was out with a group similar a couple years ago at an abortion clinic. All we were doing was praying, singing praise, and 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 crying out to God for these children. The abortion clinics had hired some young college students, primarily girls, which is to me, so ironic and sadly ironic. And one of the girls let something slip that I think every one of them, I mean, they were they were yelling profanities and, I mean, just everything, and spitting on our people. It was just, uh, it was wild. I, I doubt that you see that very often there. But one of the girls said something that it stuck with me ever since. And, and for you listening right now, please understand that the forces of evil 
do not want you to do this. But God does. She said, why don't you Christians just stay in your church? I mean, with all the hatred and vitriol she could muster. And it's stuck with me ever since. The devil wants nothing more than for you, Christian, to stay in your church. But Jesus Christ has called us to leave the four walls of the church, to go out into the community. Yes, even on the sidewalk at in front of an abortion clinic, a Planned Parenthood, and make sure the light and love of Jesus is shared everywhere you go. So get involved with the Moment of Hope. Go to amoh.org, connect with Mark and his team, and get involved with the significant, life-transforming, gospel-sharing work that they're doing at a Moment of Hope. Thank you, Mark. We appreciate you joining us, and, and hopefully we'll have you back uh, very, very soon as we head toward January. January is a packed month. Yeah. You've got the SC Citizens for Life Stand Up for Life March and Rally at the State House on January the 8th. January 20th through the 22nd is the March for Life in Washington. Uh, and then you guys, as you mentioned, have your prayer walk on Saturday, the 29th of January. So wow. there's a lot coming up, really kicking off 2022. And you mentioned the March for Life in D.C., Justin. We do have a bus we've chartered from Columbia. We're taking a group up there on the 20th, so we'd love to have folks join us. Good deal. And there are plenty of folks who are going to want to get up there any way they can. So yeah. reach out to them and get connected with that, Mark. Again, with a moment of hope. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thanks, Thanks guys. Wow, what an, what an amazing time. Uh, again, it's a very heavy subject and a subject not a lot of people want to talk about. But here's, here's how we'll end today. Here's how we'll end on this Friday. It is a difficult topic. It is, no matter what Saturday Night Live wants to say about it, it yeah. is a topic that is not to be joked about. This is not something where you banter in a, a, a an actress dressed up as a clown. It's a, it's a serious issue. And it's one that I want to make sure we understand that the young ladies and the women who are going into this clinic to have this done feel like there's no other way. That's why a moment of hope is important because we need to speak hope and life into these situations. Number two, when, if or when, they make the decision to not to go through with it, we need to be there. My church is putting together, as churches across the country are, shoe boxes for Operation mm-hmm. Christmas Child. We're sending boxes to children all over the world in impoverished countries to actually have a taste of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Folks, we need to be doing that here too. And that, and I'm saying that to myself. We can't just want to stop abortion and then move on as if everything's okay. Because as I, as we said with Mark at the end of that interview, Mitch, these children are going to be born into some very difficult circumstances mm-hmm. that we're pushing these women to to consider this option. So the Big C Church needs to step up and needs to be on the front lines. And you can do that if you want your church to get involved. Text guardrails to seven six zero seven six. When you do. Let us know how you want to get involved. We'll connect you with a moment of hope. We'll connect you with crisis pregnancy centers all over the Palmetto State. We'll get you plugged in wherever you want to get plugged in because as Mitch said before the interview, one of the best parts of what we get to do is connecting people, connecting Christians with one another to do the work that we're called to do. Justin, I'd like to go a step further with the listeners right now. If you want to get involved or if you want your church to get involved, I want you to personally email me. 
If your church wants to get involved, if you're a pastor, if you're a lay leader, if you're a ministry leader in your church, email me at Mitch, M-I-T-C-H, Mitch at palmettofamily.org. I'd love to get to know you. I'd love to talk with you about what it looks like for you and your church to be involved with what Palmetto Family is doing to ensure that South Carolina is a great state to live, work, and raise a family where God is honored, religious freedom flourishes, families thrive, and life is cherished. You can get involved. You can make a difference. You can be the hands and feet of Jesus, sharing the light and love of Jesus Christ everywhere that you go. This was a heavy topic for a Friday, but we appreciate you listening to us as always. So again, share this with your friends. Give us that five-star rating. We believe we've earned it. Leave us a review. That way we're seen by more and more people, and this message gets out to more and more folks, not only across the Palmetto State, but across the country. And it's the internet, so across the world. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. We will talk again on Tuesday, where we'll be joined. Look forward to this, folks. We'll be joined by Tanya Shellnut of Alliance Defending Freedom, talking a lot of different issues. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you all on Tuesday.